0: Hello to all of you, I'm Anthony Scaramucci, and welcome to our podcast, which we're calling TMI, The Motivation Inside. I hope you've been enjoying these weekly podcasts. Our goal in doing them is to give you a glimpse inside how some of the things are done, both personally and professionally, at least in my world, and this is a way also to get you to see who not only who I happen to be, but who my friends are and who some of the people I associate with here on Wall Street and in other aspects of my life. I'm trying to share with you the many faces of success and wealth and let you in on how we all got here. Uh, It's important to know and understand that we all have greatness inside of us. It just takes a lot of hard work and intense focus to achieve success. And the road, let's face it, is winding and bumpy. Uh, It also slopes upward, too, where you get some positive breaks and and things move in in your direction. It's not all Murphy's Law. I'm using the word Murphy because I've got somebody on that I'm going to introduce you to in a second. It's all up to you to find out what motivates you to get you on that path. But I think if you're listening to these podcasts or this is your first one, uh, the clear message from all of us here is you got to do something that you really love. Don't focus on money. uh, Don't focus on social status. But focus on something that when you're getting up in the morning, you feel like you're tap dancing to work Ultimately, that's the thing that you'll be the most successful in. That's the thing you'll be most passionate about. TMI is the place to ask us anything. You can share with me a wild or crazy story. You can share with us your weaknesses or your strengths, anything. Uh, we've, uh, we've gone out on the air on some of these things, sort of fun. Uh, you can email me at podcast at skybridgeinsights.com. And again, just to remind everybody out there, I'm the founder of Skybridge Capital. I'm also a Fox contributor, uh, both at Fox News and Fox Business, and I took over the uh, hosting position, or at least with my co-host, Gary Kaminsky, of the iconic show that used to be run by Louis Rupkeiser, uh Wall Street Week. That's on uh, Fox Business Network, Friday nights at 8 p.m., and also we replay it on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and then Sunday again at the same time. I'm the author of two books, The Little Book of Hedge Funds, The Goodbye Gordon Gecko. And I'm finishing up right now uh, my third book, which we're hoping to have out in October. It's about entrepreneurship uh, and some of the pain that goes with being an entrepreneur, but also the pleasure. Uh, again, for first-time listeners, uh, not really the typical Wall Street guy. Uh, I live about two miles from my parents. I do this on purpose. It's important to feel anchored, for at least for me, to my family. I'm talking to you right now with a very fancy pants suit on. Uh, but if I didn't have meetings outside the office, I'd be sitting here in cargo pants and a black polo, and my children would be like, Dad, don't you have any better clothing than that? Uh, today, I really want to talk about uh, making it happen, or the people around me would often say making blank happen. I'm not going to use the word because we, it turns out that we have a lot of teenage listeners. and Even though uh, I have a potty mouth, I won't be so potified here on a podcast Uh, uh, because I've had my mom on this thing, and I don't want her listening and saying, why are you using those words? Uh, Making it happen for yourself takes a lot of work. What I'm really talking about today is the will, the tenacity, and the drive to make your dreams happen. Uh, To me, I think a lot of that is about your attitude, but it's also about the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, One of my college coaches said to me once that you're the average of the five people that you hang out with. And so, you better hang out with really good people uh, to bring your weighted average up. I've known uh, to many around here for having some crazy ideas, and I've always had outrageous ideas. Even when I first bought some land out on Long Island, I think in my first podcast I talked about that. I ended up flipping it. Uh, it, it was scary at the time, uh, but it positively uh, affected my life, made me feel comfortable, at least at the age of 19, of taking some risk. Uh, and I want to, and that drives me right into uh, somebody who I have an enormous amount of respect for Uh, today's guest is a guy that can make it happen he's the CEO of Rosecliff Capital Uh, it's a complete end-to-end wealth management firm Uh, he really has in my opinion one of the best attitudes around Uh, he's a positive force great positive energy and I used Murphy earlier uh, about Murphy's law because I, I look at this guy as the opposite of Murphy's Law. This is the kind of guy you pick up on a a phone and you say, gee, something bad is going on, and he would explain to you the uh, reason why your glass is half full. So he's the opposite of Murphy's Law. Uh, He grew up in the not-so-mean streets of Sunnyside, Queens. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Murphy, welcome to TMI, Michael. Thank you, Uh, Anthony. uh, Tell everybody how we met. I think that's a fun story. Uh,
1: we met, I don't know if you'd remember this, back, uh, seven or eight years ago, a gentleman, uh, that worked with you named Adrian Davies, yeah. uh, set up a lunch for us. Um,
0: went over to w- the core club,
1: the core club, one o'clock lunch. I forgot. Adrian called me at about one and said, where are you? I ran over. I got there about one and he said, "Antony will be here in about 30 minutes. So you showed up at 2. Oh, no, only
0: because I called. I said, is he there? Because I was okay. two minutes away. All right. He said, no, 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 he hasn't arrived okay. yet. I said, okay, no problem. If he gets there, let me know. I'll walk over.
1: Do you remember the first thing you said to me?
0: I can't remember. No, that I don't remember. i The I'm not first
1: that words you ever said to me, I stood up. You looked up at me. You said, you're one of those Irish guys with the real big heads and the small.
0: Oh, uh, but I could tell right away you and I were going to get along. No question about that. Agreed. And here we are. Yeah, no, no question. But, but if I remember correctly, uh, you were a member of a golf club that Adrian was a part of. And uh, we had talked about golf. And unfortunately, I'm terrible at golf. But I went to that club and I said, this club is fantastic. Who's selling the memberships? And I went and hired Adrian because he's a fantastic, gifted salesperson. Uh, he's gone on to have a great career on Wall Street. And you and I have gone on to be friends. Uh, but I want to go to Queens, Yes, sir. Growing up, how does growing up there differ from the way your kids are growing up, or let's say my kids are growing up?
1: Polar opposites. Um, you, You grew up on Long Island. Growing up in Queens... Uh, right over the 59th Street Bridge, uh, a lot of housing projects. You had either the Irish group or mm-hmm. the Colombian group. Uh, in 1986, Sunnyside was dubbed the crack capital of the world. So you say not so mean streets. They were, mm-hmm. you know. We did a lot of things growing up that uh, my kids would be grounded forever for if they did them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, a lot different than growing up in New York City.
0: Oh, 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 okay, so I'm going to interrupt for a second. So you had an unstructured upbringing. Uh, parents sort of didn't really know where you were at every moment of the day. There wasn't a helicopter ring and a GPS system where you knew exactly where the kid was. And so, hey, where are you? And, you know, how many glasses of water did you have and, today? And did you right. take your multivitamin? None of that was no, going no on, No
1: cell right? phones, no GPS, no Snapchat. Immigrant parents, both of my parents were born in Ireland. Um, and we would leave the house around 9 o'clock in the morning and come home much later.
0: So you made some mistakes growing up?
1: Lots of mistakes. Yeah,
0: tell uh, us about a few of
1: them. Where to begin? Um, you know, we would, for instance, uh, and my kids may hear this too, but, you know, we would, uh, a lot of times we would say, I'm sleeping at your house. And a friend would say, tell his parents, I'm sleeping at Murphy's house. And, you know, we'd go out and uh, be out all night, you know, when you kind of you get in trouble when you're out all night. You're right. We were big as kids, you know, 13, 14 parents years old. Parents catch you? Uh, and parents never caught us. So at one time I told my best friend, uh, told my parents sleeping at his house. He told his parents he's sleeping at my house. Four o'clock, the bars closed. We had nowhere to go, so we went to White Castle on Queens Boulevard and 43rd Street, walked into White Castle, and we fell asleep. About 5.15, I heard a knock on the window. It was my uncle coming home from work, and he just pointed at me and looked at me, and I said, oh, I'm going to get in trouble when I get home, but he never told on me to yeah. this day, never yeah, told.
0: Yeah, that I had a cool uncle. Yes. I had a cool uncle. He, was, he, was, uh, he owned a motorcycle shop. Uh, he got us into a lot of trouble, uh, but he kept his mouth shut, so I always praise him for that. He's 89 years young, wow. still driving around in a sidecar. Uh, your parents were immigrants from Ireland. Uh, what did they instill in you that you think has helped you become the success that you were?
1: Pretty simple. I'd say hard work. You know, my dad was a sand hog. Um, he passed away a few years ago. Um, my dad was a sand hog, worked extremely hard, very long hours.
0: You say he was a sand hog? Santog, yeah. They don't what have those in Long Island. What does it, that mean?
1: Sandhog is uh, a tunnel worker. Um, okay. they, they would go down and drill um, subway tunnels or water tunnels. Um, and so I would go down. When his guys wouldn't show up for work, they would get their checks sometimes and take a few days off. Um, once they got paid, um, there'd be an opening. So I didn't have a union card at the time, but I would go down and I'd be able to work with my father and the crew. A mile down, uh, underground, we have the river and rock above you. And the only thing keeping that off you is not girders or any steel, it's air. It's compressed air. So you go in one side, you come out the other side. As you're drilling, making these mines, the air is keeping it from caving in on you. Pretty dangerous job, but yeah. um, paid yeah. well.
0: Yeah, so so basically what's happening is you got a lot of pressure coming from the water above you. You're creating an air pocket. If you don't force air pressure into that pocket, it'll crush down upon you, which frankly has happened a lot more and people realize as we built this great city that we both live in.
1: Yeah, so, so that's part of probably growing up in Queens. None of that meant anything to me. It was a good paycheck because by law, you can only work four hours. So I could work four hours. They would have to pay me for eight. So I could do that one day or two days and um, have money to so go out with my Was your dad friends. a member of a union? He was, Local 147.
0: Okay, so how do you feel about unions?
1: I think they were great to my father, and uh, it was great for him at the time uh, to be part of the union. I was also part of the doorman's union, so I ended up becoming part of uh, Local 147. I was part of uh, Local 32B and J, uh, 32B, 32J uh, doorman union. I was also part of the uh, movers union. So um, I've belonged to unions in the past, but I think today's day and age, um, they've kind of outgrown their use, and I think they've become way too powerful.
0: Uh, way too powerful in the sense that they're not serving the worker, or what do you mean?
1: Way too powerful in the sense that, so now, at at the time, I was a worker. Since then, I've started uh, several businesses, and I think unions negotiate too hard against the business. And, you know, you look at the hotels, you'll see where if they want to bring in uh, a non-union worker to do a job, they'll put the big rat outside of the hotel. Uh, You drive by New York City, you see that all the time. The question I ask all my union buddies now is, When you're going to do work in your house on a Saturday, you're going to have lights put in. Do you pay double time and a half plus someone's health insurance to do it? No, you don't. So to put that on a business owner is really an unfair request. I think unions say, hey, to get this job done, you have to pay X, and the X isn't a fair market price. So I think they've gotten a lot. You know, Chris Christie talked a lot about this in New Jersey um, with the teachers unions. I think they've gotten so powerful and they've negotiated themselves into a position where they're making it unfair for the employers.
0: So, so there's a little bit of a cartel going on or a little bit of a monopoly in the sense of the teachers union. By the way, I was uh, never, I was a temporary member of a laborers union uh, because my dad was in that union and got me a temporary labor card so I could go work on the stone dock that he worked on when I was a kid. So you're, you're got a better memory than me because I can't remember the number. I think it was local 92, but I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but, but, What I would say about unions in my life experience, and I'm also a member of the Screen Actors Guild, so a union, you know, card-carrying union member, pay the dues to the Screen Actors Guild, I would say, by and large, unions have been very, very good for the society in terms of helping to burgeon and create a middle class. I do think, like everything in our society, including our government and our businesses, Uh, From time to time, we have to go through a restructuring process to make sure that the interests of the people that are being represented are properly aligned with the people that they're serving. And I think one of the issues that the teachers unions have, and I have a lot of friends that are teachers, and I have an enormous amount of respect for them and what they're doing in the public educational arena, but I do think that we have to just make sure that we have the right levels of accountability in terms of serving the people that they're empowered to serve. And so, This is just the issue that I have, and it's not being overly conservative or being nonsensical. It's just smart policy as opposed to uh, uh, pig-headed political policy. And
1: and I agree with what you're saying. I think unions do serve a purpose, but... I think the purpose is really to serve their members. And a lot of times I think they've gotten so big and powerful that they're no longer serving the members, they're serving their own special mm-hmm. interests.
0: All right, well, let's let's move on, because there's, there's something central to what you're talking about, and it has to do with the bedrock of your personal philosophy. So all this hard work as a kid did what to you?
1: It uh, didn't kill me, so I'm still here. Um, you know, I think it instilled in me that... Um, you know, playing sports along with working—you know—kind of realizing that hard work can pay off, and if you really want to accomplish something, even coming out of you know a very blue-collar area like Sunnyside, Queens, um, that hard work can pay off, and you can really achieve anything you wanted to if you set your mind to it. You work hard, you work right, you meet. But you had—you
0: had, had an impulse to get formally educated. You want to go to college. Parents didn't go to college. Uh, parents
1: did not go to college. My father dropped out of school when he was twelve. Um, yeah, it's funny, but, but again, so now here here's the Queens thing. Uh, I played football at St. Francis Prep in Queens. It was a, a great football school. We won the New York City Championship my junior year and my senior year, played with a lot of professional players, um, so I was going to be a star. You know, I was going to go play at Oklahoma at the time. I had one letter from Oklahoma my sophomore year, so in my head I was going for the Heisman Trophy, but I, I never had that type of talent. I would get calls constantly at my house from the Ivy League schools, from Harvard, from Brown, from Yale. And back then there was no uh, caller ID, so I would answer the phone and I would say, "Oh no, this is his brother. He's not in. I'll let him know you called." And this would go on for weeks and weeks because I was too good or too proud. To, I thought I was too good to go to an Ivy League school. Um, turned out, I ended up with no school to go to. Um, I had no college because I was accepted to Holy Cross uh, on a football for football and they pulled the offer in March, so I had, uh, so here I was, I went from going to win the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma to no school to go to, Um, so I uh, got back in touch with my coaches, went out, played football at Hofstra, and earned my degree there, had a great time doing
0: it, and um, here I am. Okay, so there's a lesson in there somewhere, so what's the lesson? Like the the older version of you talking to the younger version of you would say what?
1: Um, You know, I made a lot of mistakes. I I think really, uh, really what it I would want to say is um, to you need to be focused, and you are going to make mistakes along the way, but it's great to talk to people who have been there and done it, to people who have had experience that can tell you why certain things worked for de- them or didn't work for them, so you can kind of learn. I was more flying by the seat of my pants, uh, therefore I made a lot of mistakes, but I think what I try to instill in my children now is their attitude, is positive attitude, is kind of the uh, law of the universe, that whatever you're giving out to people is coming back to you. So to look at things in, from a positive standpoint, you know, there's good in almost everything out there. So to wake up every day and think about three positive things before you get out of bed.
0: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you a huge compliment. That's something I always find about you. And you, you, you do something that I've also tried to teach my children which is to celebrate the successes of your friends. I, I've seen you with your friends. My, you know, I include myself as one of your friends, yes. of course, but I'm talking about your whole network of friends. And they. I think they would all say the same thing about you in terms of your positive energy. But also, if they're doing well, you're the kind of guy that they want to have around where they could give a call to and you'd be like pumped for them. H- happy. I, happy for them. And yes. I got to tell you that that is a huge blessing to dis- bestow upon your friends and it's also a secret recipe of happiness for yourself is to be able to celebrate the successes of your friends. So I give you, you I give you huge kudos on that. Uh, but I want to go to uh, some of the obstacles that you faced as a kid, some of the obstacles you faced after college. Tell us about some of those. Uh,
1: Man, where do we begin? Um, So I'd say I'd start with um, St. Francis Prep, you know. So going to – it's going to go to Holy Cross. Uh, It's going to get this great education and play football up there. And if you remember back then, Holy Cross had a player by the name of Gordy Lockbaum, and he was up for the Heisman Trophy. So it was really a school that um, I strive to be in. I thought I could make – but. Ultimately, the reason they pulled their offer from me was that my rank in class wasn't as high as it should be. A lot of it was a co-ed high school. A lot of the girls had grade point averages in the 104, 105 range. Um, So I I didn't put the time in in school. I was too cool. I was too focused on things I shouldn't be focusing on and not focused enough on my work. So I I try to, you know, for my kids, I want to tell them all the time or to younger people out there.
0: So how did it hurt you, though? You're too cool for school. How do you think it hurt you?
1: Well, it hurt me that, you know, here I was, I was 18 years old, and I had no, you know, graduated from a good school, I was valedictorian in my grammar school, and I had literally no college to go to. I filled out exactly zero college applications. The college, the football coach at Holy Cross told me I was in, so I was in, I didn't need to do anything. Um, Shouldn't have listened to that. You know, I always get things in writing, there's a lesson for you. Uh, But so, you know, that was kind of a tough place to be in, going from kind of a good athlete, good, stu- smart guy, to now having no college to go to. And I, I actually thought long and hard about going to work with my father as a Uh Thinking My thinking at the time was, instead of having four years of tuition, I can get paid for those four years. So instead of coming out owing money, I can have X amount in the bank. Isn't that cool? Um, and I think, luckily, I didn't go that route. It's
0: um, sort of like the game of life when we played as kids. You used to spin the wheel. You could make a decision to go to work without going to college. You got paid faster. But it was yes. always less money than if you got yourself college educated. So so you went and got yourself college educated, but now you got to break into the world of finance and go into financial services. So how do you do that? I
1: uh, graduated from school, and I said, you know, what? what is – what do I do? I knew I wanted to be in finance, but I didn't really know what that meant. Is that stocks? Is it bonds? Um, but I went on one job interview downtown in um, uh, at Oppenheimer in the World uh, Financial Center. I had a buddy who was working there. He said, they're hiring. Come in. Um, so I went down. I interviewed with uh, a couple of guys. They said, we'll bring him on. And I was working for a guy and he, who's still in the industry now. You may know him, Rich Saperstein. Mm-hmm. He's one of the top uh, financial advisors in the country. Um, so I learned a lot working with Rich and his team back then. And, um, you know, from there it was, uh, again, I was flying by the seat of my pants. So I made a, a lot of mistakes along the way, maybe leaving Oppenheimer when I when I did was a mistake, um, thinking I deserved more. I, I was making $17,500 a year, um, thought I deserved more money, so I was going to go work somewhere else. Um, that didn't work out so well. So, you know, kind of just again without having much of a plan I was just going from one to the next looking for the next thing and um that probably made the journey a little more difficult but I I think kind of coming back to what you were saying earlier Anthony is that you know rather than sitting there saying shoot I should have done this or I should have done that you know I I look at where I am today and I'm very fortunate you know there's
0: a bell that went off there's an epiphany something clicked something smacked you in the head what was it
1: (sighs) you know I I don't to be honest, I don't know. I, I want to say it was having kids, but, um, you know, so you and I have known each other now for eight or nine years. Um, for the last 21 years, I've had my head down. And, you know, luckily I have a great marriage, great wife, um, healthy kids. couple um, bless. Yes, thank, thank God. And the rest of the time, my head's been down working. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really have time. If I didn't m- make a mistake, I just kind of kept going, you know, and kind of pivoted, but kept going. Um, and I think in hindsight, I could have done it a lot, a much different way where I could have, like, I'm getting my MBA right now. I'm enrolled at Northeastern, getting my MBA as a 44-year-old man with six children. Um, I should have done that a lot sooner, you know, but but again.
0: So why do you think you need to do that now? Pretty accomplished guy. Um,
1: you, you know, to be honest, it, it, I think maybe it has to do with my ego. You know, I want to show my kids that um you know what an education can do for you. So I, I I do learn a lot in the classes. You know it's been a long time since I've been in college, and as a football player at Hofstra, you know I was more a lot more focused on sports and uh, nightlife than I was on schoolwork, and and my grades will attest to that.
0: All right. So so one of the things is being a good role model for your kids. You want to show them, uh, and I and I totally believe in that. I think some of my friends that have made a lot of money that have hit the beach at young ages have made a big mistake because with their Doing is they're disengaging from life's work. There should be some real element of passionate work in your life, and you got to send your kids a message that they got to be up and working. You know, my grandfather, he went out with his boots on at 87. My uncle's 89, still working. Uh, I sort of really believe that that's the ticket. Uh, I see some of these uh, uh, these old war horses like Ken Langone. Boy, he'll be pissed at me now for calling him Mm -hmm. that. Okay, Uh, or Jack Welch or. help me out the guy from AIG. That's Hank Greenberg. now, at, uh, yeah, yeah, he is a legend. Okay. He's 91 or 92 now and he's still working. So I think there's a big, big message in that. Um, you see your friends from the neighborhood ever?
1: I do. Uh, I see them quite a bit. Um, I had a very good friend. One of my closest friends from the neighborhood was a police officer, um, named Harry Hill who passed away last year, uh, suddenly, uh, from a heart attack. Um, and kind of brought the whole crew back together again but we had some great times uh growing up you know we kind of got into a a bit of trouble as kids but um we had some great times and it's carried over now and we we still i'll be at a golf outing with a bunch of my buddies uh from the neighborhood in a few weeks
0: so it's pretty it's a pretty healthy thing though right to have that perspective and spectrum of life going from the local neighborhood into what you're doing now
1: it, it is and, and you know it's really helped me um, and it makes me think a lot with the way my kids are growing up in New York City is a lot different than the way I grew up but but that, that what I learned growing up you, you can't get in school you can't can you, learn it in a can book can you
0: impart any of that to your kids or are they just going to have a totally different life than you um
1: no i I, th- I hope I can you know, and I realize my kids are watching me all the time, um, and that goes for anyone out there who has children. you know the kids are always although they may not be completely engaged, they're watching you you know they um and even when they get to the teenage years where they're too cool um, they're they're learning from you they're- mo- they're watching what you're doing they're going to mimic what you do, so I, I try to show them hard work, you know um whether it be your health or what you eat, working out, um, eating healthy. And if you, if anyone asks my kids, you know, what does your dad do? I think they would say he works, because um, I, I do. I work long hours, and I love what I do. And I, I think they def- that hopefully, that they're taking that in, and they're gonna whatever they decide to do in life, that 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 comes out and comes through in them also.
0: So, I mean, this is really racially profiling and very stereotypical. So don't <laughs> throw anything at me. But what's up with the Irish and all the kid making? I mean, you got you got six kids now, uh, boy, you're absolutely making the Irish proud. I mean, did you always want to have a big family, or is this is this a birth control issue I, I uh, related have, to Roman Catholicism? Have, have you I mean, ever what, met my
1: wife? What, what, what is it? Have you oh, met my I wife? I've met your
0: wife many times. We went to Nobu together. Yeah. I mean she's uh, she's rail thin. She's got every woman jealous of the rail thinness. Okay, she's um, absolutely beautiful. Thank you. And all this stuff. God bless her. But what's up with the whole procreation thing?
1: My wife is the youngest of six, and um, you know, I, I once we got married, you know. I I was probably, you know, if they voted in college, I was probably voted least likely to have a strong, long, healthy marriage, Um, but met my wife, and it kind of clicked, luckily. um, You know, kind of knew right away that I had met the person uh, I was going to spend the rest of my life with, and um, we've gotten married, and and we uh, we have a great relationship. You know, as you grow through a marriage, I was 23 when we started dating. She was 22. You don't know what you're going to be like in 20 years, you know, and you just kind of hope that you grow together, and luckily... Over the years, we've grown more together. So then you have kids, and he said, Wow, this is amazing. You know, what, what a blessing. And um, we had one, we had two. And um, All right, you know, you're here giving me the
0: spin control answer. There was any no. accidental bursts in there or what? No. I've mean, no, got a little bit of the spin control right now. okay? No,
1: I, I, it's a, a family program, but no, there was what's a lot, wife's, what's your lot wife's of hard work. Tracy.
0: Tracy, if you're listening, I mean, he's probably forcing you to listen to this podcast. So I, this is a shout out to you. God bless you for this. I'm expecting a seventh child shortly. Okay, <laughs> expecting. I, I don't know if that'll happen. But. All right, I'm just kidding. So, so you have a motto. Uh, one of your mottos is "Don't quit." So, explain yes. that.
1: You know, it's funny. That, that's what my life has kind of been about over the course of the last uh, twenty plus years in business. But someone showed me recently uh, my high school yearbook, and you know, besides the kind of mullet, you know, the curls shaved on the sides and really puffy on top and really long in the back hairdo that I had. The um, quote under my high school yearbook was, stick to the fight when your hardest hit. When things seem worst, you must not quit. So, you know, it's one thing my life hasn't been, you know, go to Harvard and, uh, you know, then go on to business, a great business school and get a great internship and a great job. I've kind of taken the long road to where I am today. So, Um, If I, there were plenty of opportunities along the way for me to throw in the towel to say, you know, this isn't working and going back, go back to, uh, you know, becoming, doing something different in my life. Um, But I stuck with it because I thought uh, it was something I was very passionate about and I thought I could be successful. So the hard work that I guess I learned growing up and learned in sports, um, I still apply to my business life today.
0: Well, well, first of all, I'm sorry about the passing of your dad. uh, I know you have a very close family but I want to talk a little bit about your parents. Uh, are they proud of you? They got a sense for what you've done in your life?
1: They are. My my mother is my biggest fan. Uh, you know, whenever I'm on television, uh, I call... My mom lives up in Westchester, um, so, so I don't get up to see her as often as I showed. Hi, Mom. Um, she doesn't know what a podcast is, but um, she'll hear it someday. Um, if she When she watches me on television, I call her immediately after, and that counts as a visit, kind of. She's so happy. I'm the smartest guy on television i'm the best looking guy on television the funniest guy on television and always she wants my mother's really uh obsessed with collars i have the best collar of any guest on television wherever i'm on um she'll tell me sometimes she doesn't like the tie but um you know my dad was um a huge although he had no education he was a big market fan uh had no money didn't invest in the market um but he loved watching uh the market on television and i was my first time appearing on television was one month to the day after he passed away. And um, he would have been blown away. That that might have killed him if he saw me on television, if he was alive. So um, yeah, they... they um,
0: oh, well, I think you're great on television. So what do you, you think makes somebody great on television? Let's say you're talking on this podcast right now to a listener that wants to be on television and wants to be a talking head like yep. you or I. What would you say? What would so, make somebody good on television?
1: Just like anything, you have to enjoy it. So I never set out to be on television. I can remember speaking to you when you were first on television before I was and saying to you, hey, Anthony, I don't know about Greek yields on Greek bonds. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, I don't know everything. And you said, mm-hmm. you'll be fine. And once I got there, you know, I really enjoyed doing, you know, it was kind of like lining up for a big game, you know, um, being live on television.
0: I actually remember the conversation. I also remember saying something to you, which I will share if you don't mind. Sure. I said, don't shotgun your words. Don't go into the studio with, okay, they're going to ask me X, Y, Z question, and I'm going to give A, B, C answer. Why don't you just go into the studio and listen to the question? Yes. And don't worry about what you're going to say because you're smart enough And you're confident enough, we'll end up saying the right thing, and you don't have to worry about it. And I wish some of the political candidates that I've supported over my career would have listened to that advice. Uh,
1: That's great advice, and I don't remember that, but thank you because that's really great advice. I don't know if you remember this. A quick story. You and I had a debate on live national television. I do one remember time. that. Yeah. Do you remember the what I we do, were debating?
0: I do. Yeah, we were debating a stock or something yeah, like that, Yeah. We were that. debating right. GM. Right.
1: And right. you were probably uh,
0: were you right on it? You were probably right. I, on I was
1: it. right, but but more right. more than that, that I, I went was on kind style
0: of, points. I hope. Y- I don't know.
1: Well, it, here <laughs> here's the way it went. Uh, I was kind of getting the did I call uh, you
0: like an ignorant I, slut or something I, like that? I figured <laughs> let me attack you personally I, I, while you're trying to come at me.
1: I was kind of I'd say swaying the vote and winning the debate, and I mentioned something about the conference call after the earnings. And you said, you probably, knowing that that took place an hour earlier, you said, well, let me ask you something, Michael. Were you on that conference call? I do remember that, yeah. And during the yeah. commercial break, people looked at you and said, I said, well, are you crazy? What's wrong? He said, I didn't know what else to say. You yeah, had yeah, yeah, me. yeah.
0: But I was on defense there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I knew you weren't on the conference call. <laughs> I figured that would I would win on style points. No, yeah, I will. Rem- I do remember the debate. You came way more prepared than me. You were probably also right on the stock. Uh, I want to switch to politics for a second. Yes. You're a Hillary Clinton supporter? I am not. Okay, so what are you? Donald Trump supporter?
1: I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative Republican. Um, I think our country needs um, change for certain. Um, I and it's definitely not Hillary Clinton. Uh, just to be honest, I, I voted for Donald Trump in New York, and I'll vote for him in the general election. I don't mind saying that. Um, I, you know, I, do you I, think I hope a
0: lot of people that are going to vote for Donald Trump that mind saying that, and uh, they just assume yeah, from a I social do. point of view they're like, hey not going to say anything, but when I'm going to close that curtain, bang, yeah, I, I think, J. Trump. I think there's
1: a lot of people like that. But, you know, in my life, I guess, like yours, I'm very busy. You know, I have a lot going on. Like, I, I have no time really to pull punches. Like, it, everything about me is out there. And you love it or hate it or somewhere in between. So I, I will vote Republican. Um, I think, I hope Donald Trump can um, kind of soften a lot of his um, stance between now and uh, and the election. And and I believe he can. He's a successful soften, business soften person. Soften
0: in what way when you say soften his stance? What does <clears throat> well, that mean?
1: I, I I really believe that you're better off in business or you're better off in life or you're better off in meeting a person or really anything you want to accomplish in life, you're much better off if the person on the other side of the table likes you. You know, the, the saying, you catch more bees with honey than vinegar. So it, it just blows my mind that uh, here's a guy who's way more successful probably than I'll ever be in Donald Trump, and he doesn't get that. And sometimes I try to look through it and say maybe he gets it and he's just on another level than I am, so he knows that insulting someone's going to help. But I I don't think so. I, I think... You know, it, it shows a weakness that I, I want to any negotiation or any meeting I'm in, I, I want to be able to uh, have the person like me, and not not in a fake way, but you know, to find what we have in common. We can differ on po- political points of view, um, like some people I know, um, but you can do it in a, in a good way where the person can leave the meeting and, and say, you know, what? I like that guy. That guy's a good
0: guy. Well, you know, it's it's interesting, and I and I uh, I was where you were probably a year ago, even maybe even eight or nine months ago. But something dawned on me about the second level or the second derivative of thinking that Mr. Trump has that I was missing. Okay, so let me see if I can explain that to you. He's going right over the top of people that are super sophisticated, or I would characterize as the establishment or the elites, and he's speaking to the middle and working classes of the society that have grown very, very frustrated by the 15- to 20-year dynamic that exists in our society. And so he knows that those people are angry and frustrated, and he knows that those people, like on The Apprentice, would like to fire the establishment. And so he is speaking to them with that voice. And so a political historian that's going to write about this in 50 years would say that he was going over the top the way Ronald Reagan did in 1980, Uh, and he's creating a political movement. Whether people like it or not, whether he wins or not, what he has done is nothing short of spectacular to watch. He's created this movement. He's at 13 months into his political career. Uh, And I'll tell you right now, he's even in the polls uh, with Secretary Clinton, who is really coming from a cartel, really coming from a machinery that's been in place for 30 or 40 years. So, So I hear you on that. Uh, but I would say that if, if candidate Trump was here and he has said this to me because I have used some of your language with him, he says, hey, if I acted that way, I would have never have been the nominee. Mm-hmm. I had to send a message to people that I meant business and I was going to come at this thing in a strong yeah. and tough-minded way. Get it.
1: But now that the primaries are over and yeah. now that we're in a general election, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think— I, I just think he'd be better off. I hope he wins, and I will vote for him, and I think well, he'd be gonna, better off if he was see, making friends you're gonna um, see a more different,
0: places. This is my prediction. You'll see him shift gears here once he is uh, named the nominee of the Republican Party. Uh, any regrets?
1: Uh, lots. Mike Murphy. Um, re- regrets. Y- you know, No, uh, let me take that back. Mistakes I've made, yes. Regrets, no, really. Um, You know, because I'd like to think I've learned from all of the mistakes I've made. And that may sound corny or wishy-washy, but, you know, I meditate every morning. um, And I, I, uh, you know, I'm kind of – I think I go through my life and I look at my life and I think things happen for a reason. So I'm doing something now, investing in startup companies and helping companies. let
0: me give you one of my regrets. Yes. Okay, so then I want you to think about it because I think – My opinion is we all have regrets. If you don't have any, God bless you. Uh, But let me give you one of my regrets. I think I've left situations in my life where the bridge, the pontoon bridge, exploded upon my departure, uh, where I could have walked over that bridge without the explosion necessary. And Mm -hmm. so I've actually tried to go back into the bridge repairing business with people or situations or partnerships uh, because I don't want to have any grudges. I don't want to bear any grudges, but I think many of my regrets in life are from bruised or blown up relationships that should not have been bruised or blown up. Mm -hmm.
1: And you, you can, so, okay, regrets, but I I think if you look at it from a standpoint that you learned from it, you know, and it made you who you are today Mm -hmm. and you can try to correct that, you know, so I, I think everything happens for a reason, you know, Mm -hmm. and things, and maybe you made mistakes. Maybe it's your fault that that bridge blew up. But, you know, that that happened for a reason. It got you to where you are today. So I, I don't really – I can honestly say, I think, look you right in the eye and say, I, I have no regrets, you know, I've right, made I gotta, plenty I of mistakes. I've got to start
0: doing some transcendental meditation, man. I mean, this is some really good stuff you got going there, okay? Whatever that drug is, I want some of it. it
1: it's, it's really just a matter, I would say, more of kind of looking at things from a positive standpoint and knowing that – you know, we all have those days where you wake up and you just – not in a great mood, or someone says the wrong thing, someone cuts you off, or the driver does something. And you know, it, it's really trying to just check yourself. I, I have kind of a, been known to kind of have a fiery temper and you know, f- uh, fly off the handle a little bit at times, but I try to keep that in line now and just try to realize that if, if you get me angry and frustrated not hurting you oh. I, I allowed you to do that to me well, one so of your, one of your i wouldn't give you the power to do that to and, me, and, so and i pre-
0: everything you're saying is great advice for our listeners one of the one of the things i want to end on though because this is part of your brand it's part of your signature so i want to end on something positive positive. and so you're messaging right now to those six children and there's something that you want them to hear from you as their dad what is it think that
1: they're doing a great job, that I love them, uh, that I want them to uh, always do their best in everything they do, and uh, to work hard, you know, and to find something they're passionate about and stick with it, and to be good people, and to treat people, and I say this to them 7,000 times a day, treat people the way they want to be treated. Um, and I think if we all did that, the world would be a little bit of a better place. Hey, and no, not, no, not only do I say that no to doubt. my kids... But we we fund startup companies through our venture capital fund now. So we have a lot of people in their 20s and 30s, and I try to instill some of those same lessons in them. You know, you see people come in that are going to start a, run a great business, and they're kind of looking like a bull in a china shop to run over people and try to explain to them that you know slow down a little bit and just treat people with respect, treat people the way you want to be treated. And uh, I think, I think a that great,
0: helps. Great message uh, to sum everything up, Michael. has been a honor to have you on. I want to thank uh, the great Mike Murphy for joining TMI. Mike, please tell all your friends, because uh, I know you have a ton of friends. I got to get these descriptions uh, up on this podcast. We'll, we'll uh, so work tell on your that friends sure. about it, okay? Absolutely. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast, TMI, with us, Anthony Scaramucci on iTunes, and please rate or review it. We are reading in, uh, these reviews. The, the the reviews, frankly, help us uh, make the content better. So please uh, reach out to us. You can email us again at podcast at skybridgeinsights.com. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MurphyRoseCliff, R-O-S-E-C-L-I-F-F. You can follow him on Instagram, Murphy Rosecliffe. Yes, sir. And his blog rcvcblog.com yes. Don't forget to watch Wall Street Week on Fox Business Fridays at 8pm Saturdays 9am and also on Sundays at 9am. Until next time uh, remember us uh, and I want to thank you uh, please follow me on Twitter at Scaramucci.
1: Thank you for and, having hey. me this was great and I think what you're doing with these podcasts is awesome. Well, I,
0: I appreciate it Michael. we got more to come and you'll be back I hope. I hope you'll come back and, Absolutely. and visit with us. Until next time have a prosperous week.